0: The Bible says in Matthew 24 that the gospel will be preached to all the world, and then the end will come. Are we living in the age when that prophecy is being fulfilled? For an expert's opinion, stay tuned.
1: Lamb and Lion Ministries presents Christ in Prophecy, a program that focuses on the fundamentals of Bible prophecy showing how current events in the news relate to Biblical predictions of end time events and the soon return of Jesus. Now, here's your host, Dr. David Ray.
0: Greetings, in the name of Jesus, our blessed hope, and welcome to Christ in Prophecy. My special guest this week is Greg Pruitt, the President of Pioneer Bible Translators, a premier Bible translation ministry located in the Dallas, Texas area. Greg, welcome to Christ in Prophecy. Thank you so much. I tell you I really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to be here. And I understand that you have been President of Pioneer Bible Translators since uh, what, 2007? That's right. And uh, before that you were a Bible translator in West Africa for what, a dozen years? A That's right. A decade, something like that. I also happen to know that you have a civil engineering degree from the University or Texas A&M University. That's right. And as a graduate of the University of Texas, I must say that it took a, you know, a real act of grace on my part to invite a Texas A&M graduate to be here. I'll try not to hold anything against you. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, let me ask you a question here, and that is, how in the world did an engineering graduate from, in civil engineering from Texas A&M end up doing Bible translation work in Africa? I guess
1: it's, it's kind of uh, a love story really because I met my wife at Texas A&M and she was really passionate about Bible translation. and I was very passionate about her, (laughs) and uh, over time I just got drawn into it, I guess. And And what did you do? How did you get there? uh, Well, we went off to Fuller Theological Seminary to study missions and Scripture, and then we did... uh, Uh, some work in linguistics in North Dakota and in Dallas and we headed off to France to learn French. So so
0: first of all you did get some basic training in languages and linguistics and that sort of thing.
1: That's right. And and, uh, in Scripture and Greek and Hebrew and these kinds of things.
0: And then your first assignment was in West Africa, an area where uh, I guess it had been under the French at some time or another. That's right. So you had to go to Paris first and learn French. That's right. We spent about
1: a year in France learning French which was about the coolest thing we've ever done for Jesus.
0: Uh, <laughs> well somebody has to make those uh, sacrifices. Somebody has to go then, to those, right. to West Africa. Right.
1: And why was it necessary to learn French? Well some of the people in this area speak French, the government language speaks French, all of the police checkpoints and interactions with the government, it's all in French.
0: Okay. And so then you were going to actually translate the Bible not into French, but you're going to translate it into a tribal language? That's right. And there people really honestly didn't speak French, just a few
1: people spoke French. Okay. So, but we could use that as a, a bridge to get into now that context. you're going
0: into an area where uh, to a language you've never learned before. And how long does it take you just to prepare starting to translate. I mean, don't you have to be there two or three years to learn the language?
1: It, it takes you about two years of learning the language. You go to the people who speak French and you ask for a few key phrases like, what is he doing and what is that? You walk around the village taking notes, what is that, what is he doing? Two years later you're fluent in the language.
0: Uh, that is if you have a capacity for languages. It, it helps. <laughs> it helps a lot. I mean, two years later I would probably still <clears throat> be asking, uh, you know uh, how are you? How do you say that? <laughs> it's, it's But, but not in easy. two
1: years' time you can do that. Right. You walk around Point and they say, And you think, I hope that means house. I'm writing that down.
0: They, now, uh, now did these people already have a
1: written language? They they did not. There were some missionaries had written things, but really they themselves had, had never really used it as a written language.
0: So you're first yeah. of all putting their language into a written form.
1: First you have to figure out how to write the language, and then they themselves need to be taught, uh, to some extent how to read the language. Do you use
0: Western alphab- alphabets?
1: Uh, we used uh, a lot of the international phonetic alphabet. Oh, phonetic alphabet, okay. And we also published an Arabic script as well. Is because that right? some of the local so people once, had Arabic and script. And
0: then after two or three years you've learned the language and then you start the actual process of translating the New Testament into that language, That's right. right. And how That's long right. does that take? Uh, well, it varies
1: depending on the education
0: of, of the people,
1: but for us it took about 12 and a half, a little bit more than that, years. 12 and a half years. It can oh. take 30 and more years depending. And
0: then on the once way. you get that, uh, you have the prospect of having to teach them how to read. Right. Well, we do that all along the way. Along first, the
1: way. first day we were there, the, the ladies of the church came to us and asked us to teach them how to read. We didn't even speak the language.
0: Has computer technology speeded up the process of translation any at all?
1: It has greatly. We have computer assisted uh, adaptation methodologies. We have all kinds of different helps with Greek and Hebrew and uh, translation helps all kinds of
0: different. And do you often find that there are tribal languages in the same area that are very similar so that you can easily then start making the translation into another tribal language?
1: Just similar enough to do an adaptation from our language to another related language. A lot of times it's a lot harder than it sounds, but but it's possible.
0: Do you still get out in the field these days?
1: I spend about a, a month each year in uh, West Africa.
0: And you have to spend a lot of the rest of your time in administration and fundraising and that sort of thing? Uh, Yes I do. How many people do you have out in the field these days? Well we have uh,
1: around, we have about the same number of people in preparation as we do overseas. Uh, We have 300 people on our team total and uh, we have between 80 and 100 full time career long term missionaries overseas and a bunch of interns and other things like
0: that. That is fantastic. Do these people have to raise their own uh, support? Uh, as, as do I. We, we all have to raise our own support. Okay. So they go to churches and that sort of thing? And get Churches, into the individuals, budgets.
1: that's right. And, uh, and we, we look at this as a great opportunity for us to mobilize the church. And we believe that's why God put, made it this way that we would need the church uh, so that the church can learn about their purpose to reach out to the whole earth.
0: That is that is just amazing to me. Absolutely <laughs> amazing. I appreciate you sharing that with us. I want to share something with you that I'm sure is not going to come to any surprise to you, and that is some amazing statistics about Christian world missions that I ran across recently. And I want to get your response to these. In 100 AD, when the church had just barely gotten started, been going about 70 years, they were converting about 100 persons a day. By 1900, That was up to a thousand a day, 1900, just about a hundred years ago. By 1950, 4,000 a day. 1980, 20,000 a day. 1990, 86,000 a day. 1995, over 100,000 a day. 2000, the year 2000, over 200,000 people a day. That's what I call. Conversions on an exponential curve. I mean, it's just going straight up. It's amazing right. what's happening in these end times. In just a moment, I want to get your response to that. I want to ask you, what what do you think is the reason that this is happening? What 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 are the keys to this sudden explosion of conversions all over the world? So we'll ask you that when we come back in just a moment. Welcome back to Christ in Prophecy and our interview with Greg Pruitt, the President of Pioneer Bible Translators. Okay Greg, tell us how in the world we can get from 1,000 Christian conversions a day in 1900 Hmm. to 200,000 a day 100 years later in the year 2000. How does that happen? Well
1: really the population of the world has exploded from 1.6 billion to now 6.9 billion people in the world. Uh, But not only that, Technology has has just exploded. You can have uh, radio and uh, different media forms of media. You can have internet. You can have cell phone access to the gospel and to scripture. Uh, all of these things have accelerated exponentially over the same time period. Besides that, the uh, access to scripture has just exploded exponentially over that same time period. Uh, way back in the beginning, very 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 p- few people could have any access to scripture in their own language. But uh, here in the last 30 years, literally thousands of Scripture translations have been done. And then beyond that, uh, every kind of media has been used now in Scripture. The Jesus film is in 1,068 languages. Billions of people have seen it. Uh, then if you go beyond that, the probably the most significant thing that's ever happened in the missions movement in the world today has been that now it's not sending missionaries from only from Europe or from the United States, but the missionary movement has exploded into Korea and into Brazil and all of all of the different countries. Back in 1974, about 3,400 people, missionaries, went out from uh, non Western countries. Now it's over 103,000. Oh my. Wow. So
0: literally 100,000 more. Well, you mentioned a lot of things there. Uh, you know, I, uh, the first one you mentioned was radio, and I was thinking about the fact that uh, in the 1960s, uh, I bought myself a shortwave radio. I never mm-hmm. had one before. I turned that thing on and the most amazing thing to me was is I dialed that and heard languages all over the world. I heard the name of Jesus in almost every language you could imagine. It, the atmosphere of this planet is saturated with the name of Jesus on the shortwave radio. Mm-hmm. And then you get satellite television. And uh, Billy Graham I remember gave a uh, a, a sermon from either Puerto Rico or Jamaica several years ago, and it was carried by satellite television to over 100 nations in the world. In that one sermon, he preached to more people than had been preached to in all of history, in the history of Christianity before that. Truly remarkable. Yeah, and it's just unbelievable. And in,
1: the ni- in 1974, the Lausanne Congress uh, wrote that uh, two thirds of the world's population. Was uh, unevangelized, living in yes. the least reached and unreached. By the time of the 1990s, people were talking about half the world's population.
0: Here today, you can look on uh, the Joshua Project website, about 40%. Well, one of the most amazing uh, t- technological developments to me is the internet. You know, on this television program, we have access to 70 million homes in the United States, and we have access to every country in the world through satellite, through 13 satellites. But that's nothing compared to the access we have through the internet. We have that's a right. full time web minister here who is on there eight hours a day talking to people all over the world. And it's
1: gone beyond the internet to cell phone technology. And uh, right now, our close partner, Faith Comes By Hearing, they have 536 audio, dramatized audio versions of the New Testament, 536 languages. They are all available now on iPhone and on uh, uh, two different apps that you can do. And,
0: and one you mentioned also that I was glad to hear you mentioned was the uh, Jesus film. A lot of people That's don't right. know what that is but that is the book of Luke, word for word, uh, that was filmed by a, a Campus Crusade I believe it was. That's right. It's a- and they've got over, I think over 1,500 teams showing that around the world right now. Many using an old 16 millimeter projector hooked up to a car battery.
1: I've shown it myself. It's, <laughs> okay. it's uh, about 1,068 languages translated, uh, th- that it's been dubbed into.
0: I checked this morning and found that they've, they've shown that to 6 billion people total. They have 200 million conversions which is 21,000 a day, 630,000 a month, 7.5 million a year. It's huge. It's huge. <laughs> now let's talk about Bible translation. Okay. Uh, I am always looking for statistics and, and the statistics always vary but they're generally the same. And that is basically that there's about 6,900 languages in the world that 438 roughly, somewhere around there 450 have the completed Bible. That uh, there's another 2100 languages that don't have uh, the completed Bible or the New Testament or whatever. Now, that's a little bit misleading i found those statistics are. And the reason I consider them misleading is because those 438 languages that have a complete Bible represent probably 85 to 90% of all the people in the world. So, That's all right. these others, we're talking about small tribal groups, right?
1: That's right. About the, the ones that are remaining with not a scrap of scripture, okay. about 2,252. You can get the, the uh, up to the minute or the most recent official statistics from the Form of Bible Agencies International website. Okay. And all of the Bible agencies cooperate okay. together uh, through that website and through their own individual efforts as well. Uh, so, about 2,252 languages have no scripture whatsoever. About 353 million people speak those languages. Okay, uh, it might be somewhere around a billion that don't have a New Testament. So they're also in a pretty serious situation. Mm -hmm. But aside from that, the remainder have access to either a New Testament or a Bible in their language. So a large
0: portion of the world's population now has access to it. And there are many teams out there working right now, not only from Pioneer Bible Translators, but we've got Wycliffe. Wycliffe, uh, United
1: Bible Societies, and uh, other groups like Lutheran Bible Translators, and all of these we partner closely together. We're uh, really tight. We really are living in the end times uh, because now more cooperation and more uh, strong synergy is being developed than ever before in the history of-
0: and so uh, if if you 're going to go in and and start working with a particular group to get a, uh, the scriptures in their language, you would check with others first to make sure they don 't have the same purpose or, or idea that's that 's right and it 's getting to be it 's getting to be the situation where uh, if the
1: Bible translation movement continues to develop the same momentum that they have over the last 30 years, that over the next 20 years, we're going to start every Bible translation project that's really needed in every viable language just over the next 20, 20 something years.
0: Now, that, that's, that's awesome. Say that again. Repeat that. I want people so, to really get in on this. That
1: if the, last, if the same momentum is, continues, that if you look at the, the yeah. trend of the last 30 years, and you look into the future, over the next 20 or 20-some-odd 20 years, we're going to start every Bible translation project that's needed. Uh, the the Bible translation movement, all of these partners we've been, ta- we've been talking about. And so we're really in the process, we have to check with each other, or we're going to duplicate efforts. Yeah. We have to start. And it's getting harder and harder to find a Bible translation <laughs> project, uh, over 100,000 speakers. Yes. So at this point, we're, we're doing uh, a lot of work to make sure that every language, over 100,000 speakers is going to have a Bible translation project going in it soon. And, uh, and pretty soon we're going to be starting looking at the 50,000 and soon we'll be looking at the 30,000 level. And 20 uh, something years from now all of those will be spoken. Well I would for, imagine that God this willing. enormous effort must really require a lot of funds. It, it, it is extremely expensive to, to go to other places and mobilize other people. We have Uh, Partners like the Seed Company and Wycliffe uh, U.S. have been uh, launching fundraising campaign after fundraising campaign. And the rest of us, we're all really working hard to get the, the, not just the funds, but the people and also the You know, it uh, seems to me like every
0: church in America that has any heart for missions, and they all ought to have, should have at least one Bible translation uh, group in their budget. I agree with that a whole, wholeheartedly. <laughs> it, would make, it would make my life a lot easier. <laughs> well I'm hoping some of those pastors are watching right now and will feel convicted about getting some Bible translation group, whether it's yours or someone else, into their budget. We've been praying for years now that God would mobilize the church
1: to finish this task. Yes. And that we're right now, we believe we're right now training The generation of missionaries, we're recruiting and training the generation of missionaries that are going to leave behind them the legacy of a world in which every person on earth
0: could have access to the New Testament in their own language. What a wonderful goal. That is just fantastic. You know, when I think about churches supporting missions, I always think about a friend who lived, uh, who, who was on our staff, who went to a small church in Kentucky on a Sunday morning and one of the elders got up and said, uh, "Folks, I've been watching TV, and there's a terrible drought going on in, in Africa. People are starving to death, right and left. We need to get some aid to them. I've found a Christian organization that will do it. Let's raise some money this morning, have a special offering, and let's get some help to these people." And he, boy, this this staff member was just. He was saying, "Man, this is wonderful. This is great. What, what a, what a vision to help uh, people." And he was getting his checkbook ready. And all of a sudden, the pastor jumped up, ran up to the pulpit, and said, "Now, before we take up this special offering, I want to remind you that we do need a new roof for our building." Oh. And it was just like he threw a wet blanket on the whole thing. In other words, he's saying, "Don't give much because we <laughs> need more here." It just- it's
1: just—it's—it's—it's it's a reality we live in. <laughs> But the purpose of the church, I mean, the Lord said for us to do a certain task, to make disciples of all nations. And when we're finished with that task, to Jesus' satisfaction, that will be the end of the age. And so the church needs to realize the purpose of the church
0: and to live out their purpose in their finances. We sure do. We really do. And, And I just pray that People watching this program will be convicted not only to give more to missions but also to urge their church hmm. to give more to missions and to put Bible translation organizations into their, into their budget. That's the reason I invited you here today is because I have a real heart for this and I want to see people do that. Well, I praise the Lord for that. Mm-hmm. I found a very, very neat uh, video clip on on the internet uh, showing some of your translation work in uh, New Guinea. That's right. And I'd like to show the viewers that a little film clip of that. And would you introduce it for us? Tell us uh, what it's all about.
1: Sure. It's it's a little like going on a little uh, mission trip, short-term mission trip, without all of the mosquitoes. <laughs> and uh, it's a it's a celebration of the local people getting their New Testament for the first time ever. And uh, when you're watching this, just try to think about when was the last time you celebrated your Bible? Like these bibleless people celebrated getting the New Testament for the first time ever.
0: Thank you, Greg. And uh, folks, here is that video clip.
2: That's... the churches in America. The contribution and hard work you are with you are with us is not wasted because we had, we had the word of God in our hands now. So we really thank you for your helping. Thank you. For he is gracious and compassionate he Not just the end product the finished book that you're after it's the lovely process of watching the Lord mold people's lives all along the way that makes it all worthwhile Turn to your heart with fasting and and your heart and change your life come back to God your God the people, the elders, the children, even the nursing men. translations, the English, English and other translations, but sometimes we, we see that it cannot help us. So we, when we read and in our own language, we can understand everything about the Word of God.
0: Greg, I want to thank you for supplying us with that inspirational video clip. That was just fantastic. Why don't you take a moment to tell our viewers how they can get in touch with you and your ministry?
1: Sure. You can get on our website at uh, pioneerbible.org and write us and you can get on our uh, e-newsletter. You can look at uh, YouTube and search for our Pioneer Bible channel. Okay. See more of those videos.
0: Well I hope they'll do that and I hope you'll pick up some supporters as a result of this program. Thank you so much for being with us. I praise God for you, your ministry. We'll be praying for you and we're just praying you reach more and more people with the Word of God. Folks, stay with us. In just a moment I'm going to discuss some of the prophetic implications of world missions. Welcome back to Christ in Prophecy. Let's take a quick look at some of the prophetic implications of world missions. Matthew 24, 14 says that the gospel will be preached to the whole world and then the end will come. As we have seen in my previous discussion with Greg Pruitt, that prophecy is being fulfilled before our very eyes today through the utilization of modern technology. Things like um, shortwave radio and movies, satellite television, the internet, and the translation of the Bible into many languages. But, There is one point I want to make crystal clear. The preaching of the gospel to all the world is not a condition for the rapture of the church. The Bible teaches that the rapture is an imminent event that could occur at any moment. There are no signs of the rapture. The signs of the times relate to the tribulation and the second coming. But when we see them accumulating as they are today, you can be assured that the rapture is right around the corner and that we are living on borrowed time. One other point Although we are making great progress today in proclaiming the gospel to all the world, the prophecy in Matthew 24:14 will not be completely fulfilled until near the end of the great tribulation. At that time, Right before the final pouring out of God's wrath in what the Bible calls the bold judgments, we are told in Revelation 14:6 that God, in his infinite mercy, will send forth an angel to proclaim the gospel to every person on planet Earth, giving mankind one last opportunity to repent. The message proclaimed to the whole world by that gospel angel will constitute the final fulfillment of the prophecy in Matthew 24:14, and then the end of this present age will come. With the second coming of Jesus Christ. Now, folks, that will not be the end of the world, only the end of this present age. For when Jesus returns, he will set up his millennial reign whereby he will rule over all the world from Mount Zion and Jerusalem for a thousand years, and the world will be flooded with peace, righteousness, and justice. In summary, the return of our Lord is going to occur in two stages. First, the rapture of the church, an event that could occur any moment, and then second, the Second Coming which will occur at the end of the Tribulation after the Gospel has been proclaimed to every person on earth. Are you ready for the Rapture? If Jesus were to appear in the heavens today, would you be called to Him, or would you be left behind to face the terrors of the Antichrist during the Great Tribulation? If you are not ready, I pray you will reach out to God in prayer, confess you are a sinner, repent of those sins, and receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Don't put it off. Do it now. Do it now, because your life will be transformed, for you will receive the gift of the indwelling of God's Holy Spirit, who will serve as your guide and comforter, and who will give you the strength to cope with the evil of this world. Well, that's our program for this week. I hope you'll be back with us next week. Until then, this is Dave Reagan speaking for lemonline ministry Ministries, saying, Look up, be watchful, for our redemption is drawing near.
1: Dr. David Reagan's book, God's Plan for the Ages, contains a comprehensive overview of All aspects of Bible prophecy. It's written in an easy to understand, down to earth style that you will find appealing. In addition to all the prophecies concerning the first and second comings of the Messiah, it deals with a host of other prophetic questions, such as what happens when you die? What will heaven be like? What's the future of the earth? Where is the United States in prophecy? To get a copy of God's Plan for the Ages, please call 1-800-705-8316, Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Central Time, and ask for it by name, or order online at lamblion.com.
0: Thank you for joining us on today's Christ in Prophecy, a presentation of Lamb and Lion Ministries, a non-denominational ministry dedicated to teaching the fundamentals of biblical prophecy and proclaiming the soon return of Jesus.